Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome to episode 288 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday evening. It's a little bit later than usual, but it's still a normal time slot. And I am joined, as often, by the Mike Soroka appreciator, Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Uh, too soon, man. And like you're late at night and you're hitting me with the first line of the podcast about my my Canadian son. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to that later on. I feel like we had to start there because you're here uh, and it's what you're... Uh, I guess beyond like just minor league baseball in general, uh, Soroka is like your guy in capital letters. So we'll come back to that later on. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. I feel, I feel bad that, uh, I feel bad that you're here number one on this, on this night, but I also am glad that you are here because you have a uh, perspective that I do not have. So we'll come back to that later on with Soroka. But before we get into some new stuff at the end of the podcast, let's go to the games this week. Uh, the Braves never want to see the Blue Jays again. I'll just say that at the top of the podcast. Uh, dumpster. Yeah, so 6-0 against the Blue Jays uh, this season, including a sweep to begin the week. Of course, Scott and I do this rousing podcast. A week ago, the Braves are winning, they're 500 again, and then they see the Blue Jays and they get swept. So none of the games were like embarrassing necessarily, but just like kind of some frustration. Let's talk about these games for a second. Um, So Tuesday was kind of a comedy of errors, especially in the bullpen with Minter and Webb. Allowing three runs in the eighth inning. After Bryce, Bryce Wilson did a pretty good job, I thought, and uh, I want to ask you about him in a second. But that was kind of the theme was like they could have won Tuesday's game. There was a few of those this week where they kind of had the game not won, but certainly in a favorable position. And uh, I guess Tuesday was kind of an omen because they were in a decent spot and then they kind of just gave it away. Not gave it away, but kind of. Yeah, I mean, and when you get home runs from, you know, both Acuna, who's been great, obviously great all year, and then Ozuna, who's, you know, obviously been a little bit more hit and miss, I think it's fair to say. Uh, when you get that kind of offensive production from those guys, you feel pretty good, especially when you get a start from Bryce where he only gives up two runs. And that's kind of where Bryce needs to live, right? Is like, you know, he'll get some strikeouts because he's like spotting his fastball really well. And he's like changing his speeds just enough to kind of get some, you know, swings over the top. And his secondary stuff, as long as it kind of, kind of plays average, then and he pitches off that fastball, he can look really good. We've seen him do it. I mean, he clinched the division for the Braves last year. He outpitched Clayton Kershaw in the in the playoffs. And if he can kind of be just like around this guy, I mean, I, I don't think like six innings and two earned runs is like a fair expectation for anyone necessarily. But you know, he, if he can live around there, that's a valuable pitcher. But that's not always what he is. Sometimes he gets really he gets a lot of guys on or he gets, you know, the, the fly balls that he gets turned into home runs, uh, particularly against the Cubs of all teams. He seems like he has a lot of trouble both at Wrigley and against them at home. So uh, maybe just don't pitch him against the Cubs. But, you know, he, 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 he looks good. You know, he looked good. And unfortunately, just, you know, Minter's kind of been a bit uneven this year. Sometimes he looks great. And sometimes, you know, that, you know, that kind of cutting fastball of his kind of drifts back over the plate and all of a sudden it gets hit and, then he kind of tries to get away from it and he starts walking guys and just kind of things kind of just go sideways really quickly for him. So again, that was kind of a frustrating loss because you, you felt like you had a real chance to win the game, but the offense other than th- those homers from Acuna and Ozuna, not, nothing else really materialized to kind of, you know, break open the game or put you in a different position. And then, you know, this Blue Jays team is full of young guys who really know how to hit. Uh, and I was at the Thursday game and I got to see it firsthand that those, you know, <laughs> like it's, those guys are just kind of really kind of tough outs and they can just do damage out of nowhere. So uh, again, just kind of a tough loss, but the, you know, especially considering what happened in the next two. 
Yeah, Toronto's pretty good. It's not like they're, it's not embarrassing to lose to them, but in just the way that it happened. Uh, Wednesday, there were some positives. I, I, I'm not, you know, kind of known for my optimism, Eric, as you know, but. Yep, known uh, optimist, Brad Rowland. Yep, there, yep. there were a few positives, even though they lost four to one. Uh, number one, Chris Martin returned after uh, more than a month on the shelf with a shoulder issue. That's a positive. Uh, your son, William Contreras, hit a home run. Uh, it yep. was 463 yep. Anked feet. Anked it. Uh, Anked it. With about a, I think, yeah, 111.7 exit velocity, so uh, absolutely mashed. And then Max Free was good um, for the second straight time. Six innings on the one-earned run. Um, also, just uh, two earned runs in the last 11 innings, two starts for Max Freed. So, and we'll get into Drew Smiley in a moment as well, but some there were some quiet bounce backs from the starters this week that are maybe signaling yep. positivity for the future. Not that they fixed everything right away, but those were two spots. Not that Freed was a concern, but it was good to see both Freed and Smiley pitch well this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, th- I thought that that was, I mean, honestly, that was kind of the game that I was the happiest about of the, of the three against the Blue Jays. Because, I mean, look, Luke Jackson's been living on a knife's edge since like 2019. So, you know, when he gives up a homer and, you know, that's not that that's not that surprising that eventually something was going to end up getting him. Um, you know, and then Josh Tomlin, again, kind of another guy that, you know, came to the Braves, like had a kind of a history of home run problems. He was really, he's been really good as a long reliever and I don't want to like discount that work, but he's not been good this year. And he keeps being used in situations where he is, he, <laughs> he is assumed that he is, like, yeah, no, like he, he was, you know, gives up, a, gives up a homer in the ninth inning of the Wednesday loss, which is a two, one game in the ninth inning. And, you know, spoiler alert, when he came in today, it was a close game again, and it did not go well. And you know these aren't these aren't two isolated incidents. You know, he hasn't not looked good this year. And again, some of this is a product of you know the situation with the Braves bullpen and Brian Snicker's complete inability to understand that you still need to use your best relievers in close games that you are losing if you would wish to try to come back and win those games. Um, and I think that he's kind of hung up on that and he really wants to own, like that. That's how he's managing usage. Uh, I don't, that's not to say like, it's like a strictly, strictly a, you know, he wants to get his high leverage guy saves or anything like that. But I think that, that he's just decided that, you know, if it's tied or they're winning, then he'll use his best relievers. If they are behind, he is just not going to. And, you know, that, especially the way this team operates sometimes, it's just not a great way to do it. I don't think. And, you know, again, that was a little bit frustrating on Wednesday, but, you know, you're not going to win a whole lot of games when you only score one run anyway. So, you know, that ultimately that was a little bit on the offense and, well, I say a little bit, it was on the offense and it was, again, a little bit of, it was a frustrating series all around, obviously, but, you know, there was definitely some things I took, I took away from that game and said, okay, at least there's, you know, at least something you can hang your hat on. Yeah, there were some positives, and uh, to the point about sort of the foreshadowing of Tomlin there, you know, I made the note immediately, you know, for those of you that listening probably said this before, but throughout the week I kind of make notes and jot things down that we're going to talk about, and uh, one of the notes I'm going to read for you verbatim, uh, why is Tomlin pitching in a 2-1 game in the ninth was the question that I asked. <laughs> and it's like, it's not again, you could certainly say that they were going to lose anyway, most likely, and maybe that's the thinking, but I don't, there have been too many times that they've already kind of punted you wouldn't call it high leverage, but it's not super low leverage. Like being down, this is a no. honestly about a theme in the entire sticker era, to be honest with you. And I, I think we've done a pretty good job of not picking on Snit too much in the recent past. This one, this podcast will be a little bit different than that, obviously, as we'll get into today's game. Yeah, the bullpen management's been a been but a thing it's me. been a thing for. I mean, one of the things about the fair, bullpen fair. management is is honestly the fact that he does not seem to understand that being down a run is still relatively high leverage. And there's a difference between being down a run and being down five runs. And that's kind of the difference. And that's a good sort of foreshadowing point is to have Tom pitch on Wednesday. And then we'll get into today's game in a moment. But yeah, sort of a flag there. Uh, we'll finish up the game on uh, on Thursday, the, the Blue Jays series. There was uh, another massive home run for Ronald Acuna, 444, sorry, 442 feet. His uh, third of the season of 440 plus. <laughs> It's just, just. Is it weird that I thought there was actually more than that? Yeah, it like, might have been. I mean, he I, doesn't I, hit cheapies. I bet he has like a bunch of like four and thirty-four foot home runs, whatever it is. But he's been, uh, he's been ridiculous. But beyond that, there wasn't a whole lot to be excited about. Um, although Dansby did hit a home run, it was nice. His second longest of his career, which is nice to see. But Charlie Morton ran into some trouble in the fifth. He had two strikes and two outs in the fifth, a chance to get out of it, and then allows single, single, single walk before exiting. 
with the deficit. Now, the Braves did take the lead with Swanson on the home run, but then Will Smith gave up five hits and six batters. There was a little bit of backup stuff there with Smith, but it was not great either. So uh, the combination of Morton's mini meltdown and Smith's mini meltdown was enough to lose the game 8-4 to four and be swept. And before we get into the pitching, I guess a little bit more, they scored eight runs in the series, which is not, you know, it's not three runs, it's not two runs in the series, but you're not going to win many series scoring eight runs in three games. Now, getting swept is another thing altogether, but they just have to score more than this. We're not breaking any news here. The offense has not been fantastic this year, but that kind of is a reminder of it was more of an offensive sweep than it was defensive or slash run, run prevention, I guess. Yeah, uh, and it's kind of a product of like the bottom of the orders certainly had its problems. Um, uh, with, with Pache, who's now like on the, on the IL and, you know, enter, enter in Ciarte, who's not exactly, you know, a guy that's going to be tearing the cover off the ball very often at all. Um, and you know, I mean, Ronnie's been great all year. Like he, he, he only played half the week and he still had two home runs this week. So, um, it's a, it's a frustrating situation when you have the reigning MVP and a guy who almost won the triple crown last year. These are two separate players on your roster. And they have been frustratingly inconsistent on offense. Um, it's they haven't just been all around terrible. They just haven't. Like some, there's been games where you so okay, that's the guy I remember. Uh, you know, Freddie has been good. Like the last couple games, Freddie's been good. And you know, you just need more consistency out of those guys because the rest of your lineup is, you know, those top three guys you just gonna have to rely on, and then you just have to hope that you'll get more out of. I mean, look, Austin Riley's been getting on base a lot, but like. You know, him drawing three walks a game, I'm not sure if I'd be going to project for that for him for the rest of the season. He's just not like that quintessential, I just draw a bunch of walks and, you know, hit singles guy. That's just never been his profile, and I'm not going to necessarily bank on that being the case going forward. So, you know, you're just going to have to start getting some consistent, you have to get that consistent offensive production from your top three guys, uh, and then hopefully that maybe a couple guys behind them really figure things out. But, I mean, Swanson, other than, you know, he hits that home run, he's had a really rough stretch of late. Uh, so much those that, you know, players with like less than like 12 games of triple A ball for the Braves are like all of a sudden like being clamored for by the masses. Oh, we'll come back for that later. I promise yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, but the, the biggest thing from that Thursday game, uh, and I was on hand for this game. I was actually a chaperone for my daughter's field trip, which was uh, yeah, you were. interesting. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever been on a field trip at a Braves game with a bunch of middle schoolers, but uh, it's pretty much as uh, entertaining as it sounds. But, uh, you know, Pache pulling up pull up on his ha- with his hamstring. I knew he, I, you can kind of tell he wasn't going to come back and, you know, maybe this gives him an opportunity to kind of reset and maybe it's time to really kind of visit the idea that he just needs to stay in the minors for a while longer to, you know, get his swing right. Cause he just wasn't looking good at the plate anyway. Um, now Acuna, that was a legitimately scary injury because I saw him like, I saw him roll the ankle. Uh, cause I was actually on the first base side and him running out into the outfield. I just, and hopping really out into the outfield. I kind of knew right away that that could be really bad. And I, but once he got up and you know, was walking back and not limping or at least not limping much, uh, I kind of felt pretty good about, you know, it not being uh, like a super long term thing, because when it first happened, I was almost convinced that he either torn something or he broke something, uh, just because of how he, you know, I mean, when you all of a sudden are hopping and you have like, you're almost trying to hop away from the pain into, into right field. It's not the best feeling in the world to see your, one of your best players do that. But, uh, sounds like, you know, that's just, he's really, he's just sore. He pinch hit in today's game, uh, which kind of makes me think that at least he's, you know, somewhat functional. Um, and that we could see him, we'll probably see him sometime this coming weeks since he didn't get put on the IL. So, you know, the Braves dodge a bullet there and, you know, they, they, they continually dodge bullets with Acuna. Yeah. And a lot of, it's not, it's not stuff where that's like his fault. Like he gets hit by pitches, like square in, you know, in places where he does like little bones can break. And, you know, he plays really hard, runs really hard, you know, slides in the bases. He's trying to make things happen. And, you know, when you have guys like that who are trying to make dynamic and trying to make plays, you know, they can get dinged up and he's certainly been dinged up, but he's also, you know, seemed to have bounced back from all of them so far. Yeah, I mean, having him pinch hit today is probably a good sign, but I agree. It looked it looked bad. Uh, the fact that it wasn't too bad is a positive thing. You know, Pache is now on the IL as well. Ender is back in our lives, as well as uh, Heredia came back hey. late this week. So they have some uh, they have some options in the outfield, but um, you know, nothing's going to replace Ronald Acuna. So hopefully, and it looks like, according to Snit, they're hoping slash planning for him to play on Monday. Nothing official there, but that's uh, the hope, and that would be obviously a big boost 
to the offense um, and the defense and everything else because Ronald Acuna does everything. Um, anyway, before we that get to does. before we get to the rest of the week and a more positive closing series to the weekend, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Eric, let's discuss a couple more positive games on Friday and Saturday and then a wild one on Sunday. So they win Friday, they win Saturday. Um, without Acuna both times. Uh, as I mentioned before, Smiley was good. One on run in six innings. On Friday, Riley drove in a uh, sort of had a two-run single in the third. And then back-to-back homers for the first time all season, which I actually was surprised by. I don't know why I was surprised, but I was. That was the uh, it was a, uh, Ozuna and Albies back-to-back to kind of break things open to uh, put the game away. And then they added some insurance. And, of course, Josh Tomlin, who you referenced before, gave up a two-run home run in the ninth. But... In Smith's defense, that's the kind of game where you want to put Tomlin in there because you're up by several runs. You're up, you're up what, five in the ninth? Uh, you could afford to have a two-run home run. That's that's the point of low leverage. But uh, that was a fun that was a fun bounce back after the way that the Toronto series went. Yeah, absolutely. And again, not, no issues with using Tomlin there. Uh, that, that that will be the, the, the free pass. In that position, that's when you want to use that guy. You don't want to use your higher leverage relievers in that situation. Uh Ozzy's looked – I'm really kind of happy with how Ozzy's been looking lately. Uh, and again, Ozuna like has been he, – he seems like he's not – he's not having like these multi-hit games where he's like kind of carrying the offense like he did for like a – it was like a month last year where it was just like you couldn't get him out. And it was, he was just like carrying the offense single-handedly and, you know, the starter would give up eight runs and like he would just make that up by himself basically. But, you know, again, seeing kind of him show some power this week. And, you know, again, I want to kind of go back to Austin is that, you know, he, he, it's turned, it's been a weird situation because he has been actively good, but he's like had like multiple games where he's like drawn three walks and like has adds like a one or two singles to that game, you know, reaching base five times and like playing like a traditional, like two hole hitter where his sole mission in life is to get on base for the guys at the heart of the order is not where I was pegging Austin Riley to be. I mean, if that if that gets him, makes him productive while he's trying to figure out how to make his power, which is significant, play in games, and so be it. And he's, you know, again, there doesn't seem like the pitchers have much interest in trying to challenge him in the heart of the zone right now. So that's generally a good a good thing, I guess. But it's hard to project that kind of being. That's just what he's going to be going forward. Um, and Smiley has was I I've been dreading the last couple starts from Smiley because he just had looked so bad uh, <laughs> to those first few starts. Uh, and he's the, the one thing that I have noted with him is that, you know, obviously the last two starts were good, uh, but the strikeout numbers are lower. Uh, he's usually always been kind of like a high swing and miss guy. And that has certainly changed uh, over the last couple starts. Uh, certainly not getting the same whiffs that he was, he had, he had been getting, earlier in his career. So I, you wonder if he's had to make some changes based on kind of what his pitches are doing or, you know, what just kind of how things are going. Maybe he's having to kind of make some changes to his approach and then ultimately have to see how that's going to play going forward because he's just not been, again, he's just not kind of getting those swings and miss that we were kind of expecting from him, yep. but nice. It's nice to see him at least putting up a result uh, as opposed to what had been happening earlier, which is like, you know, he just can't escape like the second inning and just gets drilled. Yeah, back-to-back good starts from him. And again, I think we've made this point a number of times, but having expectations be pretty modest for your fifth starter is probably the way to go. And if you can steal some good outings or at least some solid outings from him, that's kind of all you need. So uh, I understand the money and all that stuff, but uh, just do what he's been doing recently and that'll work. Um, Saturday, again, a 5-1 win. Uh, They actually led 4-0 after the first two innings. Freddie Freeman hit his 250th home run of his career Congrats, Freddie. Congrats to Freddie on that. I was it's kind of weird. I, I saw people say this and I, I kind of agree and see why people say this. It almost seems low as a number for Freddie, given he's been so good for so long. But people kind of forgotten this. Freddie was kind of not knocked for his lack of home runs early on, but he was not he was not a huge home run guy. Freddie was always like more of a 
um, you know, average OBP guy than a power power guy until the last couple of years. Like early, he was more of like a 20 home run guy. People kind of forgot this. Um, well, yeah, and it was it was during that period of time where like that transition kind of away from like all first basemen. Their sole mission in life was to hit 50 home runs, right? right like, exactly. And he wasn't that guy. Nope. I mean, back in his, I'm just gonna read some numbers. Uh, five years in a row, his first five full seasons. Here, here are Freddie's home run totals: 21, 23, 23, 18, 18. Like he, and he was really good the last, especially the last three years of that. He was awesome, like all star level. But it was because he was posting, you know, OBPs in the high in the high three hundreds, that kind of stuff. So I know he's been a power guy recently. He's always been a power guy overall, but it just that was kind of a realization. I think some people got to, it was like two fifty seems kind of low. And it's like, well, he, he used to average 20 home runs a year <laughs> and now it's more like 30, 35, but uh, yeah, just a little bit of a throwback there on Friday, but yeah, congratulations obviously to him. No other scoring there until uh, Contreras hits another home run in the eighth inning. I have to ask you now about Contreras um, as a prospect guy. You know, I've, I know a little, I knew a little about a little bit about him obviously coming up and we talked about him. I think when we, when we talked last two weeks ago, but uh, Contreras bat has looked uh, ready we'll say. Uh, would you agree with that? And uh, where's the baseline you think with him, like not even just short term, but also like looking down the road a little bit? Well, I mean, obviously the bats looked ready, you know, he's had some big hits, you know, like, you know, like, and in big situations too, it's not just kind of like garbage time, solo homers and, you know, it doesn't do anything the rest of the way. He, he's been drawing walks, uh, has hit the ball with authority. Obviously hits that, hits that tank earlier in the week. So you kind of know that there's a high ceiling for, his at bats as opposed to some other people in the roster. You just kind of hope that they, you know, just don't hit it. Uh, the grounder that they're, they're inevitably going to hit, they don't hit it at somebody. Um, you know, the the thing, and so obviously, I think that the bats there. I'm, I want to say, I want to say, I'm concerned because it implies something that I don't mean. But the his the the past ball stuff that's been happening, and he's had a few of them. You know. I th- part of me wonders about this approach that the Braves are having, and this is not just the Braves. Uh, there's been kind of a league-wide move towards this kind of the one knee in the dirt catching, um, which is you know a lot of I say a lot of people seem to be attributing to allowing catchers to kind of like preserve their knees and frame. You know, kind of help yeah help frame better. And his framing's been good. Like if, I don't remember who I, it might have been a conversation I was having privately. It was like it looks like his framing numbers are like right up there with like some of the better catchers in the league right now. Uh, which is exactly what you want from your rookie catcher who got thrown into it because your starting catcher, you know, all of a sudden had to have surgery to, uh, you know, if you're, if you get stealing strikes, all these things are good. And if it's, you know, going to keep his legs healthy to allow him to uh, contribute offensively, those things are good. The one thing that does happen though, is it does kind of make it more likely that like pass balls and it's a little bit harder to block pitches and you have to learn kind of how to utilize that stance um, the what I'm having trouble remembering truly is earlier on in his minor league career, and I have to go back and look as if he was actually using that stance. Because if this switch has been relatively recent, I can understand the pass ball stuff a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's just been some he's still something something he's had to figure out on the fly. Uh, I totally get it. You know, some people are like concerned about it, and you know, it's it's also the same people who were complaining about how many pass balls Tyler Flowers had. Oh yes. Um, well, yeah, and so like you know, like I'm not I'm like these aren't things I care about particularly much, but it's something worth noting because there's been some pass balls that have resulted in some like awkward situations in games. But overall, I think that it's been a positive. And you know, when you have a rookie catcher like this, there's going to be some things like defensively that are going to be some lapses, but he's also done some things that have been really good. And considering the situation he was thrown into, you can't ask anything more from him. No, I mean, he's obviously done what you could ask a 23-year-old um, rookie. You know, his WRC, w, WRC Plus is 152 right now in 44 plate appearances. Like, you can't yep, ask sign. for any more than that. Sign for ten th- yep, sign for $10,000, by the way. Uh, wow. Yeah, I did, I did not know that. So there you go. Uh, anyway, yep. I, thought, I, I thought I would at least ask you about him because he's been a story recently. Okay, uh, I will be honest with the listeners. I like to be honest with, with our listeners, Eric. I was in transit and also covering a Hawks game on Sunday. So I was a passive viewer of the 10 to nine loss on Sunday. So I'm well, not going to hold on. Hold on here. I do want to talk a little bit about Ian Anderson. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Ian Anderson uh, was just, also just, good just, on just, Saturday. Well, so it, go it ahead. Was kind of, well, it was a weird good, right? Yes. Like he had a no hitter through six innings, Yep. but it did not feel like a no hitter. Correct. Like felt, <laughs> there were a lot of walks um, and he was really battling with his command, but you know, 
getting through six innings with no hits under those conditions while you're also not striking out a ton of guys uh, was 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 nice to see. The, the seventh inning, things kind of you know he allowed two base runners right away, and they they pulled him and a run and ends up scoring. But I do I do want to give kind of a, a a tip of the hat to Ian in that you know even with his best stuff, put together a really solid start for the Braves in that Saturday game. But now we can go to this. Uh, I guess this was this was a baseball game. On yeah, Sunday, this abs- this absolute bleep show uh, on on Sunday. But yeah, I'm glad you said it about about Anderson. That, that's my fault. But like I said, I was a passive viewer. I was following along, but not uh, watching every pitch because I was not uh, available to be doing so. So I'm gonna lean on you here. But to set the stage a little bit here, they're down eight nothing after the sixth inning. So the yep. the odds of winning that game are quite low. Uh, Enoa and Biddle combined to allow eight runs. Uh, Enoa was not his best today. His ERA is still, by the way, after this game, 3.02, which tells you how good he was before this, but not his best. Um, now, from here, I, I'm going to hand it off to you in a second, but they score seven runs in the seventh, capped by a grand slam by Frey Freeman. So you go from down yep. 8 nothing to 8-7 in the blink of an eye, and suddenly it's a baseball game again. Now I'm going to hand it to you because... Uh, the bullpen management, and I, I kind of made the funny joke about this, like people were talking about Snit um, a lot on my timeline. Uh, it seemed to be seemed to be the story of the game. Uh, again, I can't comment about the real time decisions because I wasn't watching, but it felt like um, the number one takeaway was uh, some Snicker befuddlement after the game. Okay, so here's my take on what happened with the bullpen in this game. Uh, I do not think Jesse Biddle deserves a roster spot. <laughs> but if he is going to have a roster spot on this team, when you want to pitch him is when you're down five runs. Yes. This is exactly what happened. Agreed. Totally fine. Now, predictably, he gives up a bunch of runs and can't throw strikes to save his life, which results in the game getting further out of hand, which makes me wonder how they're going to manage the rest of this game. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That, that, that I don't have any problems with that decision-making. But when your offense all of a sudden goes wild, uh, and gets you within a run of the game. And again, this kind of gets back to what we were talking about pitching Tomlin earlier. Why is Pit Tom- Josh Tomlin pitching in a one-run game in this situation? Now, there was t- some, and Nukem wasn't good either. So let's, you know, they as soon as Tomlin's, are, um, and you know, with Nukem, it's kind of uh, you you want to believe, but he's broken my heart enough times where I I, I have personally not been on that train for a while. But, uh... I, I was I was I was leading the uh, leading the charge on him in the bullpen. It looked good early, and it has not looked good since then. Well, he, well, here's the thing, right? Like he's like that that one that first relief appearance where he's like throwing like absolute like gas. I was like, now wait a minute, this could be interesting. But he's not really doing that anymore, and it's kind of a lot of the same issues that he's constantly had. He either can't command it all, and he gives up walks, or he tries to take something off his stuff so he can't command it, and all of a sudden his stuff isn't very good. And when that happens, things like today happen. But the, the issue I had was just like, you know, is th- were these really the only options that the Braves had to go with later on in this game? Um, you know, friend, friend, friend of the program and all-around great guy, Mark Bowman, kind of speculated that Martin, <laughs> M- Martin and or Smith were not available. And when Bowman was the one that asked in the presser, so like, you know, what, what's, go- what's going on with using Tomlin in a one-run game? And Snicker was like, didn't sound particularly happy about having to answer that question. Yep. Uh, and it t- talked about how that he like he would like there were like three relievers that were un- unavailable today. Well, and... I mean, listen, that, that was a perfectly normal defensible question from Mark Bowman. Like there was nothing wrong with that question. Absolutely, at all. it was a, he should have asked it. It was yes. a very obvious question to ask, and uh, I guess one of the charitable readings was that Tom was already warming up when they were uh, when they were down eight nothing, and it was like okay, we got to use him now. But that's not that's not reality you don't have to put him in <laughs> so yeah i mean yes there might have been guys unavailable but a good question from from bowman b i don't want i don't know why snit was as as weird as he was about it and c the wrong guy pitched there like you're again going back to what we talked about before the break tomlin in a one run game is not what you want it's just not i mean i get there are guys unavailable maybe but i don't i, I can't imagine that would have been the plan so here's the thing right there's just a there's guy like now, Jesse Biddle's the greatest defender here. You have guys on your roster that are going to get used by in some well, situations. Yeah, Biddle is the worst guy, but Tomlin, I mean, we yeah, we, no, are, we, are, we are pro-Tomlin, but he's probably second worst. Probably right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a situation, if that's the case, 
that you're like, why? Like that, that you need to get guys off your roster who are going to put you guys in this situation. Now, the the the, the weirdest conspiracy theory that I heard was that Snitger was saving his good guys for the Met series, oh, which. God. So here's the thing, right? Like I was like, oh, there's no way that's possible. And then as soon as I said that, I'm like, actually, that might be true. And that drives me. If that is, if that was the thought process that somehow this winnable game was worth less than those games against the Mets, <laughs> which you're not guaranteed anything to even have a situation to where you want to bunch those guys. I, I don't blows know. my mind. Now I don't, I, there's no, we have, don't have any indication about that, but that, that I had to stop and go, wait a minute. That might actually be what it is. Yeah. And I, when we try to be reasonable about bullpen stuff, I, I try to at least say that there are always situations in bullpens that we don't know about. Like, and Bowman got into this in his piece. Like, yep. there are often guys unavailable that we do not know are unavailable. And I try to couch everything with that. We don't have all the information. We don't. But I, I think that's also reasonable to at least ask the question, as, as Mark did. And then the fact that Snick got as bothered as he was makes me feel like that, you know, he was uncomfortable maybe knowing that he didn't do the right thing there. I don't know. It was weird. Um, and... He has a tendency to do this where if a guy warms up, he goes in. <laughs> and that's kind of what I think happened with Tomlin. This is my guess. But he was in the bullpen when it was 8 nothing, and he was the only guy warming up for a while. And it's like, okay, he's got to go in now. He's warm, and we're shorthanded in the bullpen. And look, maybe that was all it was. But And, you know, maybe they lose the game anyway. But they lost this game by one run, and Tomlin allowed two base runners and three, three batters that he faced. And Nukem was bad too. I'm glad you said that earlier. Like it wasn't like Tom gave the game away by himself. He he didn't, because um, Nukem came yeah, in. Yeah, he and, had some help. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, between Biddle and Nukem, and even you know at the beginning to to dig the the eight zero hole, like it wasn't just Tom. I don't, don't want to pile on Tomlin or Snit, but it was just one of those one of those games when even the one of my judging factors on this is when even the Snicker, I would say pro Snicker people come out and kind of criticize him softly. But there were a lot of people that do not that are not on the anti snicker train that were like, oh, not his best today. And that's always a good that's always a dead giveaway, you know, for me anyway. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe not the best day for the manager. Including like people that, you know, even Gabe was kind of funny. Like Gabe Gabe Burns replied to my tweet about it and he was like, Yep, good day to be off Twitter. Because he was off today. <laughs> yeah. Uh it was just one of the, one of that's those things, that. man. Um so we could leave that there unless you have anything else to say. It's one game uh, in May, and I don't want to say that you know any singular thing happened that lost the game, but it's just one of those bullpen roller coasters that we yep. often go on. Yeah, I mean, and you know the Braves had their chances late, even with all that happening. You know, yeah, like uh, Acuna strikes out on a filthy changeup from Devin Williams. Uh, I, I there were people on my timelines who were actively mad that like you know Ronnie's like swinging away in that situation. I'm like, I don't think you understand. Like that guy's really good. Devin Williams is gross, and uh, yeah. and Acuna has not hit, has not been at the plate for what three days at that point, four days yeah. at that point. Yeah. And he and he goes against one of the best relievers in the game. Um, and then uh, William Contreras, who's been very very good, uh, had his basically got mugged in the parking lot by Josh Hader. Yeah, I mean, uh, what yeah, do you do? yeah, I mean, like the Braves got runners on in both situations, but well, so did Ozuna, you know. by the way. Uh, you know, we're again pro Ozuna, but both Ozuna had a bad at bat earlier in the inning. Um, against Hater as well, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was like they had, like like you said, they had they had chances. They ended up losing that game by one run, and you know when it's eight nothing, the game is kind of over, and that's part of the other reason why I was kind of tapped out because I was already moving to Hawks mode, and it's eight nothing. It's like all right, I can afford to kind of tap out a little bit here and drive drive to the arena and do all the all, do all the stuff, and then I I couldn't anymore. But anyway, uh, a loss. The the, the the path to those seven runs was uh was an interesting one. It was a wild it was a wild ride. Listen, and to be optimistic including the headline of this podcast that I'm going to use is, you know, they it was a losing week for the Braves, but it was a winning weekend and they ended on a little bit of a high note here and they're still in fine shape. Like we'll talk about some news in a second, but as far as the standings go, the Braves on the more negative side, the Braves do have the worst run differential in the National League East, but because the Mets just lost 3 in a row, they're only two back. Which yep no 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 one seems to want to try to win this division right now. No, I mean the Mets were in a good. Uh, sh- I mean I think I think at one point I want to say maybe it was like Friday morning the Mets were four up on the Braves and now it's two. So it's like all right, well, uh, still fighting. And as we look ahead briefly, they do play the Mets this week. 
three times, including Monday on ESPN. So we'll end, we'll end with that in a moment, but uh, they're still fine. I mean, no one's happy with a two and four week, but after zero and three to come back and almost almost sweep again, like it would it would have been so on, on brand for this Braves team, which can't seem to like be normal. They just lose three in a row, win four in a row, lose four in a row. Like they don't have. This yeah. is a very bizarre season so far, and it was almost on brand that they were able to sweep today, but they weren't able to pull it off. So I don't know what's going to happen now, though. Like they're not allowed to like lose lose or win back to like sort of alternate. They have to do streaks. So maybe this, maybe this is a losing streak now. I have no idea, but we'll see. There's no telling. There's just, <laughs> <laughs> um, There's all right, let's do some news and topics before we get out of here. Um, we teased it earlier, but let's talk about Mike Soroka. We don't know anything yet, but uh, sorry, Eric. Uh, he's having exploratory surgery on his right Achilles this week. He originally had some shoulder issues that pushed him back, but then he started um, kind of ramping up a little bit. He's like doing some walking and stuff for uh, for June to come back potentially. And then he had some discomfort, so they had to shut him down. And now they had an MRI. He's going to have this exploratory surgery. We'll kind of see. You know, Snicker was trying to hedge a little bit as to what's going to happen here. You know, he's not out for the season right now. But anytime you hear the word surgery and Achilles, you are not in the greatest place in the world. It does not sound great to me. Uh, I don't want to speculate, but Eric, what was in your mind as the uh, leading Soroka enthusiast? Well, anything with anytime there's a setback with an Achilles injury, the timeline becomes a very wide range of possibilities, right? And I, I say this as someone who, like, you know, has seen their fair share of baseball injuries with guys with Achilles. Sometimes they're able to bounce back without any problems, and sometimes it's just a problem for years. Uh, uh, and it's also I'm saying this as someone who's actually dealing with problems with his Achilles at the moment. So like, I can kind of understand, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts here. Um, and that there was enough discomfort for Mike to say, Hey, there's something wrong. And then for the doctors to say, we need to get in there and look around. There's, uh, there's, uh, again, there's a fairly wide range of possibilities here. You know, whether the, the, the initial repair, uh, you know, has, you know, become compromised in some way, or that, you know, again, when you're, he had to have surgery done, so maybe there's, like, scar tissue that's causing irritation. You know, it could be as simple as just they have to clean some things up, and, you know, it would certainly push back his timeline because, you know, again, they cut into his heel. But, you know, maybe it's not something that just threatens his season completely, or it's something that we don't see him pitch in 2021. Uh, and there's that, that, that whole range exists. So, you know, beyond that, the speculation is just kind of, I guess not very helpful because no. if 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 they felt like they like he re-ruptured something, we'd know that. If we felt you know we if you know they they don't exploratory surgery is very much what it means. Like they need to get in there. They can't. Maybe there's enough inflammation or maybe there's issues that they're not seeing very well that they need to get in there and look firsthand. And again, maybe it's simple. It's just there's some debris that they can remove. You know from the previous injury to kind of make things better or you know like smooth out some rough spots and bones or whatever. You know, all these things are possible, and those there's a wide range of outcomes as to kind of how long it takes to heal from that. So, again, it's it is not good news. No. It, it is not, but there's not a. It's not as simple as just well, then what are he's you know his career's over or oh, no. you know yeah or that he's completely done for the season. Um, if it was again, if we felt like if it was like he re-ruptured it or something like that, that's a bit of a different question. But you know, I my hunch is that there's you know there's this. They know something's wrong. They know that they need to go in there to fix it, but it's very possible they just don't know exactly what that is. Yeah, it's so, that's it sounds the case. Like yeah, I, I don't know. I it's we're not going to speculate anymore. It's just you know it, there's a range, and uh, even the best case scenario, he's going to be out for a while longer, and we'll uh, we'll leave it there. But uh, you know the Braves obviously could use Mike Soroka. No one's uh, obviously questioning that. If he was good uh, and uh, available, that'd be very nice. Um, agreed. But in the moment, they haven't had him all year, and they didn't have him for most of the last year, so they've been operating without him for a while, and they can continue to do so. Um, they signed Tanner Roark this week, Eric. Get excited. <laughs> yeah. How about the Tanner Roark era? <laughs> era. I, I would have been excited about four years ago. Maybe he'd been useful, but, you know. Yeah, no look, this, the, the, Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it's just that he, that's the kind of move that you want a team like this to continue just kind of signing minor league guys just to kind of see if you can get something of value out of them. Um, like, you know, it, as soon as any, 
any player of the, of a name that they this fan base recognizes, they automatically ask when they're going to start starting or when they're going to be playing you um, know, every day. In speaking the of, yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> let's you, let's you see the professional segue there. Yeah, man. let's let's do this now. Okay, so I wasn't going to do this, and then it kind of bombarded me the last like day or two on Twitter with the Arcia versus Dansby debate that I was seeing. Um, so you are the minor league guy. I will let you speak on this, but Arcia is lighting the world on fire at Gwinnett right now. Uh, he's slugging over 800. He has yeah, hit. He a, yeah. He hit a walk off too today, by the way. Yeah. He's hitting all 12 games. Like his numbers are crazy. So I will just say it, it's 12 games and it's also in Gwinnett. Um, I will just lay out the case for Arcia not being, um, I don't know, prime a rod. Um, Arcia, Arcia in his career in the major leagues, has a 71 WRC plus in more than 1800 plate appearances. So that's not a small sample size. It's like three plus years of full season of bats. And he's been a bat hitter last year was his best season. He had a 96 WRC plus. So like he was a league average hitter basically last year in a small sample size. And he is young ish. He's 26. So it's possible that he's better than he's ever been. That's definitely in play, but people have to understand what Arcia is and what he is not. He, he, he is a former pretty big prospect, but he's never hit in the majors. And it's not like he's had a no, no opportunities. He he's had some opportunities to hit in the majors and 12 games in Gwinnett. Um, is not going to change my mind on what he probably is as a hitter. Now, with that said, you've probably seen him playing with that. I have not. Uh, and I want to just kind of ask you, what your, I think you sort of alluded to this earlier, but what your general thought is on uh, A, Arcia still being in the minors, because that's the, that's the other thing about this. He could be on the Major League roster right now and not starting every day. That's that's allowed. He could have been on the Major League roster at one point, and he hasn't been. Plus, you get into Dansby, who obviously has not been fantastic this year. So where's your head on all this stuff? <laughs> so just to kind of like poke the bear a little bit. I mean, I understand that he has a 71 WRC press in his career, but we're not exactly comparing him against a guy who has this track record of offensive performance mm-hmm. in Dansby Swanson. All, all that is that, true. Yes. Uh... Um, um, so, uh, and uh, I will say that also Dansby hasn't been inspiring very much defensively either. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I believe, yeah, as of, as of today, Dansby's career WRC plus is 84, 85, one of the two, because it was 84 coming into the day. I think it might've gone up today. so it's still better and also they're invested in him but yes that's a good point no one on this podcast is saying that dansby is uh, a great hitter because he's he he was a good hitter last year we'll say he was a he was a capital g good hitter last year for most of the season but other than that that's kind of it here's what i will say about the numbers of Gwinnett this year and they've been very bizarre and i'm not sure if it's just that there's a new ball being implemented at triple a or something's going on i don't it's hard to understand uh as of Earlier today, and I don't, I haven't, I don't have updated numbers, and I didn't like double check these or anything like that. Uh, Johan Camargo has an OPS of tw- over twelve hundred. Ryan Castile, who's a prospect that I guarantee that ninety nine percent of our listeners have not heard of, including me. Uh, yeah, uh, first base prospect has an OPS of over thirteen hundred. Uh, Travis Demerit, friend, old friend who's been re-signed with the Braves, uh, is also hitting the cover off the ball. Uh, none of them are hitting as well as our as well as Arcia. He hit a walk off home run today. I believe it was a sec- his seventh home run of the season. Which, considering that there's only been only twelve games, is is really impressive. Um, he's he's been legitimately very good. But there's a lot of noise in terms of the offensive numbers coming out of Gwinnett that is kind of hard for all of us to parse at this particular moment. Um, that I don't I don't think that you you just automatically assume just how great Arcia is. You have that track record does matter. Yeah. Uh, and again, case in point is that, you know, again, Johan Camargo has looked good. Well, I'm always, not. even if you like take, take away the context, cause that, and that's good context, by the way, it's important context overall. Even if you were to ignore the context, and he was the only guy lighting the world on fire in right now, it's still 12 games versus correct four seasons. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And and, tw- and 12 games in the minor versus 12 seasons, 12, four, four seasons in the major. So, Again, Arcia might be different now. Like there, there's a real world scenario in which he is a better, like an actually better hitter now than he's ever been because he is 26, new organization, all that stuff. Like he might be good. Like that's not even that's not a zero percent possibility. He he is a very and, talented guy. And I will say this: he belongs in the major league roster right now. This but this this Braves team is starting Adrianza every day, leading him off. By the way, leading him off. 
lead off the last three, last three days. He's led off, and 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 I'm and I'm not hating on Adrianza. He's been you know for what he's he's been very from, useful. Yeah, yeah, he's a very useful player. Uh, and but like this is a team that's giving a roster spot to Jesse Biddle, and they have this guy sitting at the sitting in the minor leagues. Like this is a guy who could probably maybe again. I, I'm not saying replacing replace Dansby Swanson with him because that's silly. I think there's only been a 12 game sample size, and I understand that he was a prospect of note. Uh, for the Brewers, but he did not play well in the major leagues. And, you know, just because you've heard of him and the Braves made a trade for guys that also used to be reasonable prospects, uh, you know, and I still have hope for Patrick Weigel. I have no hope for Patrick Chad Sabatka. But, you know, these are guys that people heard of. They're like, oh, wow, they made they traded two prospects for this guy from the Brewers. He must be a guy that they really, they're really they really highly of. When is he going to play? And I've been getting that question since the day that they traded for him. Agreed. But... And now with Dansby struggling, you know, and Arcia hitting all, you know, you know, hitting the cover off the ball, triple A, you know, folks are, you know, they, they want to see changes made because ultimately they just want the Braves to be winning ball games. And I understand that, but I think that a very small sample size of a very weird start to a triple A season isn't necessarily what we need to be making decision making, uh, making decisions around about the roster, um, particularly with your starting shortstop. You know, there's going to be some open questions about Dansby, especially considering what how much money in his last year of arbitration he's going to be needing for next year and kind of what he is and how valuable he is going forward. But I don't think necessarily that this sample size, both Dansby's sample size of the major leagues this year, as well as the one that's uh, for RCA and AAA especially, uh, is one that we should be kind of putting much stock in. Yep, I would agree on all of that. And, uh, you know, Dansby has been a little better lately. Um, and we'll see. So I think the conversation is definitely not, at least right now on May 16th, is definitely not Dansby versus Arcia. I would be shocked if the if the Braves suddenly decided to take Dansby, put him on the bench, and start Arcia every day. That's not going to happen, at least for a while. I think it would take an injury. Unless or, he got hurt. Yeah, it would take an injury, or it would take Dansby like really bottoming out for like a month more. Like He'd have to be like openly bad until like the middle of June. And then maybe they think about it at that point if he was like really, really, really just doing nothing. But I can't see that happening either. Like even he's not even I know he's had some bad moments, but he'd have to be pretty much the worst he's ever been for about another month for them to even think about that. I would I would imagine. That's just my guess. And, that, and that's a real bar to jump through because he's been had some real brutal steps. Yeah, stretches. I mean, he's obviously been really hot and really cold at, at various times in his career. But there's a whole different discussion to be had about Swanson future shortstop. That's definitely a decision that they yep. have to make at some point. But. Right now, I have a hard time seeing them pull the plug in favor of Arcia. Like, if it was in favor of a trade for Trevor Story, <laughs> sure. Uh, but Arcia, oh, I mean, yeah, they 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 did not tra- they, they did not trade for Arcia to to supplant Dansby. Uh, that that is the point I think we're both making. Uh, they yes, they they traded two guys that you've heard of to get him um, in the that, spring. That trade but, that. That trade was to free a forty man spot. Well, and That's also it, it was very obvious what they thought of him because they have he's been in the minors the entire time like they they made that trade for a guy that people have heard of and then it's may 16th and he's not been on the big league club yet that tells you what the braves kind of thought of arcia to some degree i know adrianza has been better than we thought he was going to be and that's part of this too but it's been a what two months since, since that trade and he's still in the minors <laughs> there's a reason for well that. yeah i mean yeah i mean spring's the thing but yeah i mean it is I, i'm just saying like yeah it's been a month and a half of major league baseball games that he's not been playing they could have, I think, again, I think Adrianza being hot early was part of him not coming up, but still, like, it's not like they're burying Trevor Story in the minors. They're not, they're not doing that. So, no. uh, all right, that's enough of that for now. Uh, one more topic quickly before we get to the schedule and get out of here. Uh, Tower Flowers is retired. Um, we have talked about Tower Flowers more than any podcast has ever talked about Tower Flowers. That's for sure. But I, I did some I did some digging um, because... I want to know what you think. What you think about this too? I think the big. This is a guess, but I think the big split in terms of flowers appreciation versus people that just absolutely hate flowers in the Braves fan base, which there's there's so many people I don't even know why, is because of defense. Uh, I'm fairly sure about that, just because you know the framing stats and there's a whole conversation about how much they're worth and the pass balls and the arm and all that stuff. I'm going to ignore that right now, just for a second. And I tweeted this this week, so if you saw it, my apologies. But if you ignore defense entirely. And just take the Major League Baseball rankings by offensive stats. Again, by catchers, offensive stats. For the five years Flowers was was, was in Atlanta. 
He was the sixth best catcher in baseball in on-base percentage. Number six. He was tied for 18th in slugging, which isn't great, but it's like, you know, middle-of-the-pack starter. Ninth in WOBA, which is an all-encompassing batting stat in a lot of ways. That's top 10. Tied for 12th in WRC+, plus among catchers, for five years. And yep. for most of that time, he was not even, like, the number one catcher. He was like a 1A, 1B situation. So, we talked we talk about this forever, but the Braves have had so good... They've been so good at catching stuff forever now. Flowers is a big part of that. And I know we get kind of mostly fun people poking at us for liking flowers too much. But even if you ignore the defense, which we're not going to do, which I'm not going to do, if you wanted to, though, he's been an average or better hitter at catcher for the last five seasons. And if you factor in the defense, Fangraphs has him fourth among catchers in war for five years. Fourth! <laughs> Behind Grandal, Real Muto, and Buster Posey, all of whom are stars. So, and... Honestly, I'm of the mind where I actually don't think Tyler Flowers is the fourth best catcher among uh, in baseball in the last five years. I think the, I think the framing stats probably make him look better than he actually is. But he is an elite framer. Everyone in baseball, in their sort of uh, you know in memoriam segments about uh, Flowers and his retirement, noted like he is known across baseball as an elite framer. He kind of changed the game in a lot of ways. It was tough to change the game in a lot of ways. And he's a guy who was with the Braves twice. He is beloved in that locker room. He's still going to be around the team doing game plan stuff. They Everybody loves the guy. And I, I just don't understand why there was... Because even then, like, there was like vitriol, like, oh, good riddance. And it's like, are you kidding me right now? Number one, the guy retired because of health. Number two, like he was good for the Braves for five seasons. And he wasn't making a lot of money. There wasn't even a contract thing that was like, Oh man, he stole all this money from the Braves. No, he, he was underpaid. I, I just don't get it. I never will, but there's my rant for the day. Tyler flowers was a pretty good hitter. And even if you ignore the catching stuff or you hate framing, he was a valuable player making less than he was worth for the duration. And he should be like praised. He's not going to be Chipper Jones or Freddie Freeman. No one, no one says he is. He's not gonna be a Braves hall of famer, but like he was a, just a good player for five years. Absolutely. I mean, those those flower Suzuki uh, catching uh, platoons were like legitimately very good. And that like kind of kept Braves like for like especially 2018, 2019, like that realm, like they were a big reason why they were able to kind of play above their heads, uh, you know, help revolutionize kind of the idea of, you know, how to like go about framing. And I can't think of a better guy to have around for a young guy who's kind of like learning a new catching stance and who's trying to figure out how to take advantage of you know, that skill set to have around for Contreras, then Flowers. Uh, and I hope that he's kind of around in an active role because I don't think that there's like, there's not a coach that exists that would be better than him. Um, obviously, you know, this is a little bit of a bummer in a lot of ways that you'd kind of hope that if Flowers was healthy, that once he kind of got back into playing shape, which was kind of the joke that I made last time I was on the podcast, is that, you know, I thought that Jeff Mathis would be better than Flowers offensively right now, and that's just because that Mathis has been playing and Flowers has not been. And as it turns out, Flowers has been dealing with a pretty significant back issue for the last couple of years. Uh, and, you know, once he started trying to ramp back up, he had, like, had another disc that was going out on him, and he just called it quits, which I completely respect. Uh, I agree with oh, you yeah. that, you know, I don't think that he's, you know, the fourth-best catcher in baseball over the last five years, but he's closer to that than you, than just you would think. And top the, top the 10, I think for me, like that's kind of where, that's firm, where firm, I landed firmly. Maybe I mean, I, I might even be a little bit more generous than that, but yeah, it's, um, it's a tough situation in flowers case to evaluate because what he's good at doesn't show up well in a highlight reel. Uh, he he has real exit velocity. <laughs> Had real exit well, that's velocity. also why I pulled those bug. numbers, like with the yeah, bat, yeah. like with the, with the bat, because I think if you pulled Braves fans and said, "Do you think Tyler Flowers, like yes or no, was it was, was Tyler, he an above average hitter? Was Tyler Flowers an above average hitter for a catcher?" People would say no, and it's like he's he was very very clearly above average hitter for a catcher, like and, and very especially for a catcher, and, yeah. uh, and you know it's his ability to get hit by pitches, which he was pretty good at. Uh, he was uh, also to draw walks and to, you know, occasionally run into one and to frame pitches that those aren't things that show up well on film and the things, the deficiencies were like, you'd have trouble controlling the running game or with the pass balls, because again, he was kind of focused on a different area of what it was to be a catcher. You know, those things do show up kind of in the not top 10 type stuff, right? 
So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird, a weird situation where like, if you were to ask people right now, it's just kind of another example. Like people would talk about, you know, when Acuna struck out today, like he strikes out too much, but they don't, but that, that like just ignores one, how, how good he's been over the last few years, even with a higher strikeout rate and also ignores he's like cut his strikeout rate in half. He's been basically impossible to strike out this year. So, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of, but when it, when it happens, it just shows up and it, it's, it's glaring for people and they don't look at the big picture. And Tyler Flowers is a guy that is a weird <laughs> kind of how, how good he was. But again, not, not, it's similar to why Jeff Mathis has had a career for so a career for so long. It's just that, you know, and it's, it's different than flowers is that, you know, he was so good defensively and so good at managing a pitching staff that he just like, you know, found a way to have a career that's lasted as long as it is. And it's the stuff that he's good at. Doesn't, doesn't show you know, up. You can't, yeah. doesn't, it doesn't show up. It's baseball, um, man. Ba- baseball is so hard sometimes to like, figure yeah. out nuanced stuff. I'm, but... I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, well, if they're going to, you know, if they're, if they're, we need to have guys like this, then why don't they sign Nick Markinka's tweets? They're going to be coming at us as a result of it. Uh, well, and that's I have... fine. Uh, and listen, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, we joked, uh, I think we joked, I don't know if it was you, you and me or me and Scott, like three weeks ago or something like that, that, um, they could probably use Marquecas at that moment in time. It was kind of funny. It's like, Oh, they could probably use Marquecas at this moment. Um, but no, it's, Again, no one's trying to say that Tyler Flowers is like a Hall of Famer or a superstar, he, and he wasn't. But I think uh, I will go to my grave, and I know Scott. We've joked about it, but Scott agrees, and I know you do too. Like he he's underrated, like pretty clearly. So yeah. Okay, we'll leave that there for now. Uh, before we get out of here, this week is an interesting one, a big one, I would say, for the Braves, particularly this first series. So they have they have seven games at home. Um, no off days this week, which is a, a change from the last few weeks. Three at home for the Mets. This week, beginning on Monday with ESPN game, and then four at home with the almighty Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, Pittsburgh is not as bad as they're supposed to be. At least they haven't been as bad as they're supposed to be this year. Their roster is still bad, just to be, to be very clear. But um, that's a series where you, I think the baseline is you have to think you're going to win three out of four against Pittsburgh. Um, doesn't mean you're going to, but you have to think about that because that, they're bad, and you're better than them and you're at home. But the Mets series is interesting because... Uh, you have Freed on Monday, you have Morton on Tuesday, you have Smiley on Wednesday. Uh, DeGrom is not pitching, I don't think. Um, they have a they have an empty hole in what I'm looking at right now on Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure if that's because of injury or what, but we'll see. I just think that, you know, if the Braves go out, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but if they've, they have the capability of leading the division on Wednesday night if they sweep the Mets. No one's going to say that they're projected to do that, but they could. Big series. Well, well, they, they need some help from Philadelphia to do that too. Well, right? like, listen, yeah, yeah. I, I assume the I assume the Phillies will be will just be bad at all times. I respect that. Actually, uh, I really do. No, you're right, but you're right. Uh, they, I guess. Well, they're yes, they're, they're a game and a half. I thought it was only a half game, but they're a game and a half on the Phillies. My apologies, but they could pass the Mets to be more accurate. Because Eric is a stickler, a stickler this evening. No, he's right. Like, look, you're right. You're right. It's okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is another thing I want to say about the standings real quickly. Uh, going back to what we talked about before about the pitching being better recently, and that's a that's a good sign because <laughs> the Braves have allowed 202 runs in 40 games, which is more than five per game. That is way more than anyone in the division. They've allowed 25 more runs than anybody on the division, and that was the Phillies who played an extra game than the Braves have. So run prevention has been uh, an issue, shall we say. And the offense is not as suddenly, like, not not terrible, but, like, average. And last year, the formula for this team, as we all talked about a lot, was the offense being awesome and the pitching staff just kind of doing enough. This year, pitching staff's been a little bit worse, and the offense has been a lot worse. So that's the area to circle. They have to be, this team is built to be good on offense and they're not right now. That's the problem. That is definitely the problem. Uh, and there's, there's definitely some weird stuff standings wise this year too. I mean, the, the Dodgers have a plus 49 run death potential this year and they're in third place in the NL West, which I would have lost a lot of money saying that was well, Did they lose the like 12, out of, like 12 out of 15 or something? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they lost a bunch of games. Uh, they, they, they had a, they had a really rough stretch, you know, and it's, 
I mean, again, we've talked about it before. You know, like you know, the, the, the things things are going to start to normalize. Like Pittsburgh was actually leading the Central for a little while, uh, but that's a Pittsburgh Pirates team that doesn't have Cabrian Hayes right now. So, well, and you know, they're also, by the way, they're they're minus forty four, which is by far the worst run differential in the National League. Yeah, if you want, if you're speaking, if you want to talk about an offense that is not good, uh, one hundred and thirty eight runs scored this year for the Pittsburgh Pirates, which. A cursory look says, that's their, yep, that's the worst in baseball. Nope, second, second. You want to know who's first? Who? The National League East leading New York Mets. Oh, they've only scored 119 runs. You're right. But they had wow. but they had the best pitcher well, alive. The, so, and they've also, they've also played less games, too. So They have, um, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. How, about, how, about, how about the Mets have played six fewer games than the Braves? Which is, uh, uh, welcome to COVID baseball. But, um, yeah, I mean, all, full circle, that series isn't like going to make or break the season, but it would certainly be nice to not lose that series if you're the Braves at home. Yeah, if, I, 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 a Mets team that has that looks very vulnerable, and then a Pirates team that doesn't look to be very good. A a a, a winning week would go a long well, way. Honestly, I feel like, and I don't want to be reductive. It's still baseball; you can't predict it. But I feel like this is this is a week where if you're the Braves, you want to go out and go five and two. Not even four and three. Like four and three would be fine. No one says otherwise. But given given the opponents, yes, the Mets are pretty good. But you're at home, uh, and then the Pirates are not very good. Four and three is like, all right, that's fine. But any, you probably need to be better than that. Quite honestly, with how they've played so far, they're two hundred five hundred. That Pirate series is one that just it just seems so juicy. Like you can't ask for a better series on paper than playing the Pirates for four in your own building. That's about as soft as it gets in the entire league. Like maybe you could talk about the Tigers or the Orioles; those are all on the same plane. But the Pirates are bad, man. So they are not good. You got to go true. win games this week. If you get if you get like no one's going to panic on this podcast if they suddenly go three and four this week, but it would not be good. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! If they, if it's a losing record this week, I'm just getting off Twitter. I'm like, okay, you guys have fun. Uh, uh, log off. And by, actually, you can't do that, Eric, because you've already sworn to me. I'm about to get out. We're about to sign off here, but I actually have uh, some travel. I am. I have groomsman duties this weekend, so the, oh. next, the next podcast. Eric's already committed to this. So I'm not. I'm not bringing this on, on on the podcast. The next show, I think, barring scheduling disaster, is going to be Eric and Scott without me, which happens like twice a year, but it's going to happen this weekend. So buckle up. Uh, and now the Bra- now the Braves are for sure going to go two and five. And oh, and listen, I, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to laugh all the I'm way sorry, to the bank. Listeners. No, I'm kidding. Um, and also, before we get out of here, I should, we should plug Road to Atlanta, which you've done a great job with. Uh, Road to Atlanta is back and firing on all cylinders because there's minor league baseball. Yes, that's happening like every day. I've, I've been reading recaps. I don't know you're you're helping to write them along with your uh, your team, but um, the fact that minor league baseball is just like happening now is nice for especially for you. I know that. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we have a lot of stuff that's coming out on the site. Uh, we've kind of gotten to uh, where a pattern where we like. Now that we've kind of gotten used to the schedule, the schedule where every Monday night there's just no games at all. Uh, Garrett's been kind of really kind of getting into like deep dive analysis again. So each week he's just kind of picking a different guy that we haven't talked about in the past. Uh, you know, you guys have read plenty about Drew Waters over the past few years from us uh, between prospect rankings and recaps and things like that. You don't necessarily need deep dives on him, but guys like Spencer Strider is coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, we found a, a new prospect, Rodery Munoz, that uh, really impressed us. His first start wasn't particularly good today, but uh, you know has a really live arm. We're doing kind of deep dives, and those will generally post on Mondays. Uh, and then on Tuesdays, we're going to be posting the post for the – if it's not like late night, it'll go up that morning of uh, for for the, pod, the pod, podcast uh, for Road to Atlanta uh, as well as kind of like a weekly preview for the minor leagues. And you know, there's going to be a lot of kind of more deep dive type content and recaps going up every day. Uh, I was in Augusta last week uh, to watch a lot of the guys that I hadn't seen yet. And this coming week, I'm planning on going to at least one game at Rome. Uh, health permitting, I'll try to get to try to get to more. Uh, unfortunately, my feet have somehow given up, given out on me completely. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, but you know, the guys are getting out and watching games. A lot of a lot of talking are in our group chat as to kind of how guys are doing and how they're looking. So you know, just kind of keep an eye out for kind of just that, both that recap content, the podcast that's going to be dropping again. We'll be recording that every Monday evening, and then we'll go into posting that. You know, either get it posted to the stream and upload it on that Monday night and then post it to the site on Tuesday. Uh, and, you know, again, just kind of looking out for that original content as well. Yep. Check it out. Always um, subscribe to this feed for both the show and road to Atlanta. 
Check out the site every single day for new content. Um, Shouts to everyone that's producing all of that. I am not writing anymore. I'm basically retired, but that's okay. Um, I talk about baseball sometimes in a microphone. Um, and again, it'll be sometimes. I uh, <laughs> the plan is for it to be Eric and Scott at, on this episode on this podcast for the next time. So you might be hearing a lot of Eric this week. Just a lot of Eric in general, which is good. More Eric, please. Uh, oh God, here come the complaints. More Eric, I'm please. Ready for it. Uh, <laughs> but sincerely, it. Uh, subscribe slash follow on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, I don't know, Odyssey. Tune in, Google Podcasts, all those places. You can find us. If, you're, if we're not already there, let us know. We'll fix that. And uh, thank you to Eric for being here. Follow Eric on Twitter as well, at Leprechaun. Follow me if you'd like to, at BT Roland. And we'll see you all next time.